Warning. Listening to this podcast could be hazardous to your mental health. Side effects could include random fits of yelling go bills to total strangers. For your safety, the entire collective medical community recommends caution when consuming this podcast. You are listening to Buffalo on the Brain with the most unathletic man in Bill's Mafia, Vince Taylor. Well, that game fucking sucked. Well, hello there, Bill's Mafia. Happy Monday to you for whatever that's worth today. Thank you. For listening to Buffalo on the Brain, I'm your host, Vince Taylor. You're listening to me on the Built in Buffalo podcast network. And our Monday is not going the way many of us had hoped. We have so much to discuss today, starting with my thoughts on the game this afternoon as I am recording on Sunday after the Bills game. We also have, we have a crossover event with Carter Melrose over from Dolphins talk.com he gave me an hour of his time just about and we are going to preview what the bills face next after a tough loss today we also have real or silly with justin goddard over from the watering buffalo as we do every single week and on the mafia hot seat we have andrew chang the other half of the Wandering Buffalo, and zach vaughn the editor-in-chief over on the buffalo fanatics network I am always very thankful to those who choose to give me some of their time in the Mafia hot seat and Justin Goddard every week, but also the guests that are scheduled to come on the show in the coming weeks to help preview the opposing team. So thank you very much, Carter Melrose, as well. But let's go ahead and get right to it. I hope you are all taking this loss better than I am. I have a tendency sometimes to get a little emotional about the Buffalo Bills And I was pretty angry. I was pretty angry. We had very high expectations for this team. We'd been talking about the Super Bowl. And a lot of folks are making the Bills their their favorite team to win the Super Bowl. I was never really that far, but I I wouldn't be surprised if, if they were close. But I felt like they would lose a game or two coming up this season because that's the NFL. That's the way the NFL goes. You know, it's very rare you're seeing an undefeated team. And, well, we got that loss out of the way early, I hope. Now, I hope we can bounce back from this, and I hope this week in practice, McDermott's going to talk about some of the things that he saw during this game. But I wasn't happy. The offense was sloppy. We couldn't do diddly-poo offensively. I know Pittsburgh has a strong front seven. They have a strong front seven almost all the time for most of my life. I always remember the Pittsburgh front seven being a force, but they frustrated Josh last year, last year. As I said, the Pittsburgh game was Josh's worst game of the year. And his worst games now are career games for many of the bills drought era QBs, but that's not going to cut it. We should have scored more points. A lot of this is on Josh. Josh was not very accurate. He did have some drops. We took some penalties He puts the ball on the ground a lot when he tries to do the scrambling thing. I'd like to see less scrambling. You know, as far as excited as I got about Reggie Gilliam being 
and having a fullback being back a part of the offense. And I don't remember him seeing seeing a fullback out there except for that one play, which I will talk about later because I was screaming at the TV and, and I'm sure Chuck Pagano out there somewhere is thinking that was a terrible play. But yeah, it's just all over the place. I felt that our offensive line was weak. The interior offensive line, there are people out there who still want to take up for Mitch Morse. He's not the center that we signed. He's not that guy anymore. We have John Feliciano starting, and he's a replacement-level player, and he's a starting guard on this team. And the other side, we have Cody Ford. Now, to be fair, there were some good runs when we tried to... I'm not even talking about the two Devin Singletary runs late in the game. There were some good runs earlier in the game when we were a little bit more balanced and not necessarily that I want to see that because I don't want to see you sticking the ball up against the Pittsburgh front seven all the time. But they were giving up a lot of pressure. By the way, both tackles were. Both tackles were giving up pressure. And of course, T.J. Watt is going to get his. Doesn't matter if it's Daryl Williams or whoever. T.J. Watt is T.J. Watt. But Josh, even when he wasn't getting pressured was not great. I think I saw two long passes that should have been touchdowns. You know, for as much as we give Josh credit for having that strong arm, the deep ball is not his niche. He's not a great deep ball thrower. He can throw the ball a mile, but he doesn't necessarily throw it accurately. Now, in the intermediate area, that arm strike is an asset to him because he can drill that ball right in there sometimes in some tight coverages. He had a couple of throws like that today. But there was the one early in the first half where Emmanuel Sanders was running open and Josh just airmailed it. I mean, it was 10 yards outside of Emmanuel Sanders' reach. That's a touchdown. That should have been a completed pass. Okay, fine. It's the NFL. You can miss throws like that. He did it again later in the game. I believe that one was Emmanuel Sanders as well. It was down in the end zone in the second half. And all he had to do was just lead him. Emmanuel Sanders had two, three yards of separation on his defender. And instead, Josh Allen throws it back towards the middle of the field where the safety runs over and can make a play on it. That was another missed opportunity. So Josh, you know, I I feel like if he's being honest with himself, he's got to take a lot of the blame for this. Now it's not all on Josh. Like I said, we have some, as well as a defense player, played today and they did play well they they limited Najee Harris it seemed like they were getting really good pressure in the first half I didn't feel like they were getting there as much in the second half maybe somebody has the numbers that could back that up for me but I felt like on the second half the pressure just wasn't getting there as often but yeah lots of bad stuff today but the deep is as bad as we played If you want to take anything positive away from this game, and I I think here it is. As bad as the offense played yesterday against a really good Pittsburgh defense, the difference in this game was that block punt that got returned for a touchdown. If that doesn't happen, this game may have went another way. We may have made different decisions towards the end of the game. Also, I was not very happy with that fourth and eight when you're looking at a 53-yarder for Tyler Bass, that field goal made the difference in the game as well, not going for it there. Tyler Bass, that's a very makeable kick for him. And fourth and eight right there, yeah, I know we got Josh Allen, but he was not playing well up to that point. So you want to go for the 
fourth down conversion there instead of kicking it. When earlier in the game, you had shorter fourth and ones, I believe it was at least one, and we elected the punt. I don't know. And, and let's talk about some of the fourth and one decisions that we do make. Jeremy White from WGR talks about this for years. I've heard five, 10 years. I've heard Jeremy say this, the Patriots do it so well. They had Tom Brady, who's not a mobile guy. He's not a big guy. It's fourth and one. What do they do? They spread you out. They don't bring in all the giant people. As he likes to say, they spread you out. We have Josh Allen. We did some screwed up backwards passing play. It wasn't even like a fake dive. And then the pitch that the play that I like so much, we even brought the wide receiver in with his defensive player trailing him just so he could be back in the play. Like everything about that play was so ridiculous. We, we threw it backwards. We could have just spread spread it out or not spread it out. Just have Josh Allen. If we all remember the Cowboys Thanksgiving day, fourth and short, where he just rolled everybody and got like five yards after initially being stopped. That's a weapon for us. We pitched it backwards and took a loss there. I don't know. I don't know. Lots of things were strange about this game. And you know, the game didn't start out that way. We started out 10 nothing, And we, at least I felt that this game was going to be a grind. I felt that we would come out on top. Started out 10 nothing. We had the great return by Isaiah McKenzie to start out the game. And we couldn't do anything when we were, I believe they ran it back to maybe the 25. But the long return by Isaiah McKenzie set us up. We couldn't get anything but a field goal there. Well, okay. Josh is uh, being a slow starter. That's okay. We've seen it before. Uh, Not really worried at that point. But we couldn't get anything going after that. And then the second half just got worse. At one point, we gave up 20 straight points. And really almost nothing after halftime until it was garbage time. We sucked. The second half, we sucked. We got our ass totally kicked in the second half. There were some positives, I guess, if you're looking for the big picture. As I said, as bad as we played, we were bad. We were bad offensively. The defense had a couple good stops. I don't have a lot of problem with the defense. It felt like the rush in the first half was there every time. Now we have heard all week about how quickly Big Ben gets the ball out. And that's really who he is at this point because he can't chuck the ball 50 yards like he used to. And he doesn't run around and have guys hanging off him and make those throws. That's not who he is. He takes the ball and he gets it out. Now we were pretty good at maybe forcing him to hold it just an extra couple of seconds. He was doing it in some traffic and we were making it difficult. He did not have a great game. I don't think he got to uh, 177 yards and, and one touchdown. And that's that's something, even if their offensive line is very suspect. And let's be honest, Big Ben's pretty suspect too. That defensive line looked like it was getting it done, at least in the first half. They fell off pretty big in the second half, I feel like. Maybe somebody has the numbers on that, but it felt like they weren't quite getting as much pressure. Uh, we've seen a couple players make plays. Uh, Ed Oliver, who we're all looking for to make that step, he had a couple good plays in the first half. He was starting to get in there a little bit. We saw Tremaine Edmonds have a nice pass breakup. We saw him make a good tackle, not for a loss, but it was a good tackle for two yards. We also said, I saw Ed Oliver 
I'm sorry, we also saw Tremaine Edmonds get put on his ass again. We also saw him be a block magnet. So, yeah, I guess kind of a mixed bag for Tremaine Edmonds. And as much as we always want to point to tackles, we didn't have a lot of those either. Now, we were able to keep the Pittsburgh rushing attack bottled up. Uh, Najee Harris did not have a great day. 16 carries, 45 yards. He's going to have a long season. Even if, you know, the Bills defense, yes, that's not really our strength, and it has not been for a few years. But I'll, and, and the, the offensive line for the Steelers is not great, but Najee Harris is going to have a tough year, and I'm kind of finding myself wanting to root for him at least a little bit, and I don't think he's going to be. He's not going to be very good this year. And if I'm a fantasy owner of his, yeah, I don't know. I might not have picked him in the first place, but there are some folks out there who are probably expecting to get extra value there. They're not going to get it. We saw the offense resort to some of those QB draws. I know people like that. I don't mind it as much near the end zone, but if we're trying to make that a big part of our offense and I'm sure that Brian Dable and Coach McDermott saw something where they thought they could take advantage of. That's extra hits that our quarterback is taking. I don't want to see that. I don't care what the numbers say versus QB scrambling versus in the pocket. It's a hit, is a hit, is a hit. They all add up. And by the way, what is the biggest knock on Josh? Ball security when he's running. Right now, that's the biggest knock on him. We saw that again today. Put the ball on the ground. That's not what we want to see. We saw Mario Addison, who everybody wanted to write off, myself included. Um, not that I thought he was trash, but uh, I, I just wasn't sure there was going to be room for him on this roster. He comes in, gets that strip sack. Good for you, Mario. I'm very happy for you. Uh, Josh did make a couple of great throws. He was not accurate. Cole Beasley had some tough drops. Now, the first one, I think, hit him in the hands, but that was an inaccurate throw by Josh and tough drop by Cole Beasley. Uh, he ended up having a pretty decent game. He got it together after that. But lots of penalties, lots of pressure, lots of drops, a couple of overthrows. Didn't see Reggie Gilliam on the field a lot. Um, to be fair, we still had a pretty good rushing day even without him. Um, I don't hate the flea flicker. I don't hate that play at all. It's unfortunate that was covered so well, but that's not... Some people don't really care for that call. I didn't mind it in that spot. I thought Teron Johnson had a great day. He was making a lot of tackles and, and doing it soundly. I think there was one run where he just basically wrapped up Najee Harris's legs and didn't go for the big hit, just got in there and made himself a nuisance and got credit for tackles. He tackled very well today, I thought, and he had the one pass breakup in the end zone. So for as much as I'm usually down on Teron Johnson. He had a great game. Now he gave up that one pass, I guess, in the fourth quarter. Uh, it looked like he was in man, and, and he gave a pass. And I, I want to say Claypool, but I don't think that might not be correct. But I thought he had a great day overall. I hadn't even talked about the goal line stand uh, that that was part of. Um, inside the five, and turned him away. And that's uh, not easy to do. The Bills seem to do that a lot in close games. And I guess you could say that is a product of the Sean McDermott coaching. I don't know. But for whatever reason, as much, it goes back to last year too. I, I criticized the defense a lot last year, but late in games, in close games, they were able to come up with some good stops 
and some goal line stands as we as we saw today. Now today's Monday. There's going to be a lot of chirping. There's going to be a lot of chirping about regression. Now everybody that's not a Bills fan is going to say that they were calling for it and they saw the regression. Hey, look, it's one bad game. And what does regression look like? Is he still not one of the most talented quarterbacks in the NFL? He is. Just stop. Don't engage with any of that nonsense. Let him chirp. It's fine. They don't need, we don't need to have Twitter battles about that. We know who Josh is. Um, But I think another good debate is going to be Levi Wallace. He had a couple of really bad penalties yesterday. And I am raising my hand here. And it's not very good for audio, but I was very vocal about wanting to upgrade that spot. Doesn't mean that I hate Levi. I think Levi's fine. He's a good tackler. He had some rough day, but that's a place where we could have used an upgrade. It didn't have to be either the defensive line or cornerback. It was possible to do both. They did spend a fifth round pick on Rashad Wild Goose. And that's not really the investment that a lot of us were looking for. And he's not even on the team right now. He's on the practice squad. But uh, we're, we're thin there as it is. If there's an injury to that secondary, the Bills are in trouble. Now, are we... Maybe this is the, the, the time where some of my criticism can be seen in a, in a more fairer light. But that's why I never really wanted to pick the Bills to be the Super Bowl favorite. Now, they're five, six team, but to me, they're not the favorite. And I will say this one more time before I move on. As bad as we played, as bad as Josh was, as bad as the offensive line was, all the problems that the defense had in spots, that blocked punt was the difference in the game. The Bills were in it mostly until middle of the fourth quarter and they were still kind of in it it's not as bad as we think and trust me i can be as negative as anybody else i i try to look at these games as a predictor of future performance and maybe sometimes i'm guilty of over applying that logic and that's that's not the way it works all the time but this is a game we can bounce back from we had the lead at halftime and we probably should have won this game if not for the second half that's what it boiled down to it was a horse performance in the second half we will get a chance next week against the miami dolphins and what a great segue into the next segment carter melrose over from dolphinstalk.com is here spent some time with me this week to talk about the matchup and his thoughts on on how the season's going to go for the Dolphins. And uh, thank you so much, Carter. It was so fun. We will do it again later this year. But let's go ahead and put this week behind us. Let's start looking towards next week because there really is better things to look forward to right now. So without further ado, Buffalo on the Brain Crosstalk. Vince Taylor and Built in Buffalo proudly present Crosstalk, chatting up the opposition. Ladies and gentlemen of Bills Mafia, joining me today 
is Carter Melrose here to help me break down the Dolphins and Bills game coming up this week. Carter has graciously agreed to give me some of his time to talk about his passion and his love for the Miami Dolphins. Carter, say hello. Hello, Vince. Thank you for having me on the show. Of course, I come from DolphinsTalk.com, and I have a show on there, and it's called Two Amigos. It, I, I don't know if these any of these Bill fans are going to listen to something like that, but maybe leading up to the Dolphins and Bills matchups, maybe you'll you know listen in uh, because we have a pretty good show. My core, my co-host is Jorge Hinojosa, and um, we have a fun time. So thank you for having me uh, here, Vince. Well, my mom's husband is a Dolphins fan, so I know for sure he's probably going to go check your stuff out. Why Very don't cool. you plug your socials too? Okay, so I'm pretty easy. My name's Carter Melrose, so it's at Carter Melrose. You'll find me, uh, you know, I don't have any of the, the Dolphin, you know, Finn 67 in my uh, at or something. It's just Carter Melrose, and that's for everything. So it'll be pretty easy there. Okay. All right. So let's go ahead and get right to it because I'm here to talk about the Bills. You're here to talk about the Dolphins. You've been very, <laughs> you've been nicer to me than I might expect because I don't really love the Dolphins. <laughs> I'm tired of being yeah. the little punching bag in the division. And now that we're kind of good, I, I got my chest puffed out a little bit. I'm enjoying it. Right. Uh, I, you know, I, like I said, we, we said before we came to, together to record this, I don't hate the Bills, like you said, because they have been the punching bag. So, uh, you know, the Dolphins have just been eight and eight. They've always been basically the middle of the division ever since I've been a fan. So you hating us is is a little bit unwarranted, but I, I understand hating AFC East teams. Yes, that's a good way to say it. I do. Yeah. I do hate the other AFC East teams, but I let's go ahead and get start breaking down the positions because I was a Tua fan when he was in college. He's just got that nice smile. He seems like a mm -hmm. nice kid. Like he was easy to like. And then his rookie year came and I, I don't think it went the way he was very confident. I, I'm, I'm going to stop by saying cocky. He was maybe a little cocky, but <laughs> okay. uh, I don't think Brian Flores shared that same confidence in him. How do Dolphins fans as a fan base feel about Tua? Tell us because we're Bills fans. We're very biased. How do you Dolphins fans feel about Tua? Okay, so this is a conversation that is getting so annoying, even for us. Like we 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 don't even want to talk about two anymore. We protect him like li like lions, but uh, you know it's it's just this. We want him to play well or play really poorly so that we can either move on or we can like you know say this is our guy. And uh, the issue was, like you said, he was a little cocky last year. He was just like, oh, the NFL is pretty easy. And the thing is, it's like uh, leading up to him being drafted, he was really pegged as the chosen one. That's what, uh, you know, ESPN was doing. They had a documentary on this guy before he took a snap. And, you know, it just kind of, maybe it did a little bit go, go to his head a bit. But what I will say is that, you know, I, I, he is a very, very humble guy when it comes to every other moment other than those couple of interviews. I tell you right now, he is a very good guy. And, and from day to day, he's a very good guy. But what I shall, I will say is that the narrative last year uh, from, you know, flip flip flopping between Fitz and him every single week just was so tough on, you know, the fan base, uh, him and 
I also have to say a little bit as well, we just kind of have given him a pass on last year. We really have as a, as a fan base and said, you know what? He didn't have an off season. He had this huge hip injury. Uh, it was the weirdest year ever. And, and really like he had no weapons in the wide receiving core, which we can talk about a little bit later as well. Uh, and also the offensive coordinator, was specifically brought in so that Ryan Fitzpatrick could shine. He liked Ryan. That was his quarterback. So when Tua came in, he kind of just babied him. And I guess that's what our uh, narrative from last year was. Okay. See, I've not heard that because I'm a Bills fan, and I, I only hear things that pertain to the Bills. Yeah, so. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, you're going to hear a lot, and you have probably already heard a lot of very cocky Bills fans about the way Josh Allen treats the Dolphins. Uh, <laughs> is that a question? Well, I would... maybe, <laughs> but I mean, I'm, I'm not completely immune from that either. It, I'm not, I'm not going to say that it's always going to continue that way just because so far in his career, Josh has seemed like he owned the dolphins and he does, but I'm not cocky enough to think that, well, just because he's done it before, it's always going to be that way because the dolphins do have a good team. They are perfectly capable of frustrating him. Any given week, I would say now, it hasn't worked out that way so far. But like I said, it can happen anytime. Josh, Josh is human. He he's going to have a few games this year where he looks human. Well, well, the thing is, and you're you're right. He has been owning the Dolphins since day one. I think the, did I think we've only beat him once? Is that how it is? Yes, and that was really on a drop. Charles Clay pass in the end zone. Oh yeah, okay. I I remember that game. Uh, yeah, it was a fluky game. Was that his rookie year or is his second year? That was his rookie year, I think. Okay, so even <laughs> so, his rookie year we beat him, and then we haven't been able to beat him since. Uh, is is sort of the story here? And I, and I I'll say this: I think it's it's kind of it's kind of weird. Uh, I would say Josh. Josh Allen has this specific skill set that the, the way that our defense is constructed, especially in the last two years, we just can't stop anyone who can get, get outside of the pocket, extend plays, you know, that type of quarterback. Uh, and it's obvious every time we play Josh Allen. Yeah. And that's a really good segue into the offensive line. Um, I feel like the bills offensive line is pretty mediocre. Now I like our tackles. The interior mm -hmm. offensive line, we can talk about Mitch Morse. He's a concussion away from hanging him up for good. I'm not even sure that when he's in there, he's the guy that we signed and made the highest paid center at the time anyway. And then there's all kinds of questions going on right now about Cody Ford. Earlier this week, he was not even really giving the blessing to be a starter. Like McDermott was being a little coy about it. He probably will start, <laughs> but maybe that's a motivation technique for Cody Ford or whatever. And then to me, John Feliciano is just kind of meh. He's not been the greatest of the projected starters on the Bills offensive line this this preseason. So I'm not in love with the Bills offensive line. I think moving Reggie Gilliam back to fullback should help the run game, which we were god awful at last year. But having Josh Allen back there just covers up so much of that because of what you just said. He can run around and get outside the pocket. I almost feel like he likes doing it and he's better that way or hitting Gabe Davis on the sidelines or just creating stuff off script is really where his biggest strength is. Yeah. And all the time, the last two years, especially like, okay, when I would say, when I said earlier in the show that, you know, 
I don't specifically hate the Bills. I didn't love the treatment you gave us in week 17 of last year. I'll be honest about that. I didn't love that treatment of just running up the score, just running up the score. Every, every you know, five seconds, he'd score another touchdown. And a huge part of that was just, you know, uh, the, the guy, he'd have Ogba on his back. He'd roll out and somehow he'd throw it, you know, on a tightrope, 55 yards. And, and him doing that, is something that the Dolphins' defense is just not built to stop. Hey, we put our backups in. <laughs> I know, and at, at one point you put your backups in, and you're still scoring. Yeah, yeah i i I think that that game has caused a lot of Bills fans to lose a little respect for the Dolphins because I thought the Dolphins would be the biggest threat to the Bills in the then they still were. Um, uh, you know, one game at the end of the year, I, I don't know. I still think the Dolphins are, they have a wonderful team. I think if you take away Tua and if you get Watson put in there, like there's still the rumblings. I don't really think it's going to happen, but should that happen? Man, that division becomes much tighter real quick. I personally think that this year it's going to be a tighter race than a lot of people think. I, I still think the Bills win the AFC East. I'm not going to be a blasphemous guy coming on your show telling you anything crazy like that. But I will say that I definitely think uh, the Dolphins are a clear-cut wild card team. Clear-cut. And that, you know, I understand that the, the Bills have had our lunch a little bit over the last couple of years. But I'll tell you ex- exactly what we always we always point to here. It's that the specifically the trenches is where we get destroyed, like every single time. And it, it's not necessarily that we don't have good, we don't have very good defensive linemen or very good offensive linemen in those games. It's just we don't have those big bruisers, you know, that will in the fourth quarter when everyone's tired is still punching you in the throat. And we just the Bills have always done that, you know. And I can't, I can think of maybe seven, eight times uh, off the top of my head where a Bills defender in the fourth quarter does a strip sack on our quarterback and we lose. Like it's, it's the trenches and we've been bullied for years and I'm not sure that we're, <laughs> we're even built this year to beat you, honestly. So I'm, and you are close to the team obviously than I am, but right now I, the way I feel about the dolphins is that they're, they're not very sold on their offensive line or at least their depth. Is that true? Do you think that's true? Okay. So I, and this is a perfect segue to my list here. I have a, what I like to call the weak triad. Okay. On the, on the team. And number one, uh, you know, suspect numero uno is our offensive line. It is so disappointing and it makes no sense at all because I did this, uh, I did this article a couple weeks ago and I, I literally spent hours and hours researching all of the topped, you know, the top pick offensive linemen in every draft for the last like five or six years, just to see who is spending the most draft value uh, in the NFL on offensive linemen. And the dolphins are spending in like the top two. They've, they've, they have a ton of picks in the last three years in the top two picks uh, in the top two rounds rather uh, for offensive linemen. And for, for some reason, just no one's panning out like no one at all. <laughs> so it's frustrating. Wow. Okay. I was not aware of that. See, you're dropping knowledge on me. I, I mean, well, uh, I suppose you probably have at least heard of Austin Jackson, our, our left tackle, our starting left tackle. Yes. 
Okay, so he is probably... He, last year we drafted him, and he's probably the most disappointing player for fans right now. If you say his name in, in their presence, they're probably going to cringe. Uh, and Michael Dieter, he is our center right now. He's been a disappointment from two years ago. And we have to start Jesse Davis, who is an, another player, our right tackle, uh, who we are very disappointed in as well. The one, the one shining thing I will say, just if any Dolphin fans are listening, I like Robert Hunt, which is our right guard. That's it. I like one player on the line. Okay. Well, then you're not going to like what I have to say. And on on the other side of that, on the defensive side of of the line, the bills last year spent a lot of, they spent a lot of salary cap on trying to upgrade that position. It did not work out well for us last year. You know, Jerry Hughes is still Jerry Hughes. He gets a ton of pressures, not very many sacks. Mario Addison was kind of meh, you know, Ed Oliver, who we drafted inside the top 10 has been a good player, but he's not been a top 10 player. Uh, Starla Tule was out and now it's 2021. Starla Tule is back. We have no more excuses for Ed Oliver, but on top of that, Bill's mafia is over the moon right now with Gregory Rousseau. And I feel like this is the year where we're going to start getting back to those Bill's defenses of five, six years ago, or even 2019 when we were, I think top three in passing defense. So the defensive line for the bills should be a strength this year. Although, you know, Groot's done it just in preseason. He has not done it in an actual game yet. Boogie Basham. There are people in bills. Mafia who think he's not even going to be active on game day right now, because that's how deep the defensive line suddenly is with guys like Effie Obata in there. So you're, you're saying you feel like this team is turning a corner, especially at the defensive defensive line. The defensive line specifically, I'm feeling very optimistic. Like I try not to let myself buy into preseason, whatever you see, good or bad. Like it doesn't usually matter that much. But watching Gregory Rousseau has got me very pumped. And I I feel like Bill's Mafia is all behind me on that. Well, that that would that would stink too, because I think we <laughs> it was, you know, between him and uh, Jalen Phillips, and we took Jalen Phillips. I mean, Jalen Phillips has been sort of injured in the preseason so far, but uh, it's, it's good to hear that one of uh, one of the Miami boys is doing well for you guys. You know, here's my question for you. Uh, Do you, what would you say is the weakest part of the bills defense? Well, I am very vocal about not being happy with the cornerback depth. I'm not very, I think Teron Johnson's best days are behind him. Like I, I feel like he's peaked and he's not the player we thought he was. He had a couple of memorable plays last year, but he was benched and he wasn't great for a lot of stretches last year. So cornerback depth is definitely a concern, but I'm still a little bit worried about the interior defensive line as well. Uh, Vernon Butler's not that great. You know, he's going to play a lot of downs for us. Uh, Harrison Phillips, who is a Bills fan favorite, you know, he was playing a little better last year, but he's injured already again, the same injury that he had two years ago. I'm I'm concerned about the the interior defensive line depth as well. Okay, so the first thing I heard from you was the uh, the the cornerback depth depth, right? Yes, that's right. Okay, so the thing I will say, and, and I, you know, we're not going to get into prediction time quite yet, but I would say that the only mismatch I could see then, if, if that is true, you know, I don't know too much about the cornerback depth on the Bills, but I will say that. Uh, our, in terms of our bread and butter triad, the you know the, the 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 positions that we just have so much breaming talent in, 
One, our big one is the wideout position. And I'll tell you right now that there are some burners on this squad. Now, I mean, last year when we, when we played the bills, especially in week 17, we had chumps out there. We had total chumps and you know, we, we fixed it. If Will Fuller is healthy, he's back against the bills, which is huge. I'm telling you, it's huge. If he is healthy, he is our best wide receiver immediately. Uh, Devonte Parker, same deal with him. As long as he's healthy, he can take up, uh, you know, a, a, a good, at least people will acknowledge him, you know, while he's on the field. And the third player, obviously our rookie, uh, Waddle is, is going to be someone to, to look out for. I just, I'm very excited to see if that mismatch is, is something that exists, but, uh, you know, that gives me a little hope for week two, I guess. Uh, if you'd paid attention to the bills and the chiefs in the AFC championship game, that was our Achilles heel. We, well, first of all, tight ends, you guys have a great tight end and Mike Gusecki, but we couldn't keep up with Tyree kill just speed just kills us. And as much as we all love Trey white, he's not a burner either. He was a fine corner. He's one of the top five in, you know, five, maybe six, seven in the league, but he's not a burner. He, he's not going to keep up with Tyree kill one-on-one. He's a zone corner. So, and by the way, I love Will Fuller. I was kind of sad to see him sign with the Dolphins, but <laughs> Uh, the way that Brandon Bean approached the offseason was, you know what? I'm going to get more pressure. I'm going to spend some draft capital. And I'm because he watched the Super Bowl and he saw what the Bucks did to Patrick Mahomes. That's something that we could not do. So if if it works out the way Brandon Bean thinks it will, the rotation of these great pass rushers that we should have will get some pressure on Tua or Brissett, whoever's starting, you know. I guess week two probably still be to it, but, um, and then the cornerbacks mean just a little bit less. I think that's his master plan. There's a lot of people in Bill's mafia, myself included. I was very, very vocal about it. It didn't have to be one or the other. We could have signed Steven Nelson pretty late in the free agency period. We decided not to roll him with Levi Wallace. And I like Levi Wallace just fine. I'm glad he's on the team. You know, I like rooting for those undrafted guys, but he is, he's not a, great cover corner he's going to give up the pass and he's going to make the tackle and he's going to keep the yards after catch limited and that's that's his game that's what he does and i think that's what mcdermott wants there so and you you did bring up the idea that you you know you watch the championship a little bit and you know or your team did and they were thinking hey you might want to just put pressure on even patrick mahomes and you can win a game and i think that is a really fair assumption of what you could do to us. Cause I think I've said this for weeks now. I think we built this team to look a lot like the Kansas city chiefs. We, we you know, we tried to bring a ton of speed and we got Gasicki, who's no Kelsey, but is definitely a great pass catcher. And then we just built a bunch of speed or, you know, uh, around Tua. here's the issue. We have, maybe a worse offensive line than uh, the Chiefs did last season, which I guess mirrors the team still. And we don't have Patrick Mahomes, uh, you know, someone with a huge arm who, uh, like, even if he gets outside the pocket or he's off, you know, off kilter a little bit, he can still throw a dime downfield. I don't think that's to his game. Uh, the, the thing I will say to, I, I think that the, the coaching staff knows that that's probably what you want to do to us. So I, I assume what they're going to do is try to do a lot of quick passes, a lot of slants, a lot of stuff that plays to the idea of maybe, you know, maybe Waddle can break one on a quick pass, but 
I don't know. It, it does seem like the way to beat us, honestly. Yeah. Um, I think that the the narrative, at least in Bill's mafia around Tua, is that he's afraid to push the ball downfield and he likes to check down and he likes hitting the running backs. And the per- you mentioned the Week 17 game last year was a perfect example. He's down. You know, most of the game, he's down big and he still doesn't want to push the ball downfield. He's still trying to hit the running backs. So that's at least our perception of Tua. Our, I mean, you can tell me if I'm wrong there, but he doesn't seem to want to push the ball down the field. So, yeah, I definitely got to defend him here. He's my boy. I have a podcast named after him. Okay, so what I'll say is that, yes, that is a fair assumption of how week 17 went. But like I said earlier, kind of in the show, he we had scrubs out there. I I, I don't want to, you know, emphasize this enough. We you can rewatch a lot of this tape because, you know, after you lose that bad, you want to find out why did we lose that bad? And and most of the Twitter compilations and, you know, coaching uh, videos on this type of thing showcased that none of our wide receivers could get open. None. Just like none. And th- there was no one in, uh, you know, that we had left, that we had healthy, that could get separation. And it was, it was to that point where Tua had to do a lot of checkdowns. I mean, it was that, or you force something into double coverage, or you force something um, that just is going to get picked off. And the second point where you're saying, like, he doesn't like doing that, I would say what made him special in college was that he could hit, he could hit a deep shot. You know what I mean? That he had these, uh, that he, he, it was his accuracy that we loved so much about him that, you know, when Devonta Smith, you know, runs runs a go route in the national championship, he can hit him on, you know, on his stride. Like, that's what we loved about him, but we haven't seen that from him yet. Okay. Uh, and and to play the other side of that, <laughs> that's something that Josh Allen got criticized for, and now he's one of the best in the league at doing that. But, uh, <laughs> Very true. But Very true. How, Carter, how do you see – how do you see the bills offense going up against the Dolphins secondary? Because the dolphins have maybe the best cover corner in the game. And then Byron Jones is no slouch either. He's got to be right up there in the top 10, 15 ish. Yeah. I'm, did we have both of those? Did we, did we have both of those corners healthy for both games last year? I'm not sure. Well, I don't remember. Yeah, I I don't remember either because it seemed like we couldn't have because we got torched. So I want to assume we didn't. But uh, yeah, what was your question again? Well, how do you see how do you see the Bills' offense going up against the Dolphins' secondary? Against the Dolphins' secondary, I, I would say this. Uh, I would say that you know, Diggs always worries you. I mean, I think what we did last season, I'm pretty sure um, we had maybe one for each game, but I, you know, X doesn't necessarily, Xavier Howard doesn't necessarily like shadow people all of the time. Sometimes he just stays on his side of the field and I'm pretty sure just, it's so complicated to stop Stefan Diggs when he's just that good. And like, there was a lot of times in, in the games last year where uh, Stephon, Stephon Diggs is locked up, but somehow still, uh, cr- you know, crossing the field, uh, the ball gets dumped in there. He does a jumping catch. And I don't know. It just seemed like Stephon Diggs' year last year, and we just couldn't stop him, whoever we put on him. But the one thing I will say is that X, 
will take, you know, he does take things personally. And uh, I'm pretty sure that this is going to be a, we're going to, we're going to see more of a, a, a lockup game because I definitely think if you're going to beat the Dolphins, the way to do it is like you said, like on broken plays with Josh Allen. And the second way to do it is to run all over us, which every team will be able to do this season because I don't think our linebackers are very good. But the one place that we can lock up, we can run stride for stride with any wide receiver you have on the field because we have four good corners. We have four good corners, and our safeties can lock up tight ends. Uh, it just, We just hope that's enough, I guess. Yeah, I, I, I try to say this as objectively as I can, but if you look at the Bills' top three wide receivers – as a trio, they have to be the three best route runners in the league. When you talk about Diggs, Beasley is just insane. He's He's got to be the best slot receiver in the league. I think he is. I can't think of anybody that's – there's a gap there. Um, and then Emmanuel Sanders. Yeah, he's a little older, but they all kind of have the same game in breaking you down and getting open. Um, and, you know, when you run man against the Bills – you're going to turn your back to Josh Allen and Josh Allen can run. He's a big guy. He's hard to bring down. He's not afraid to take a hit, which I'm kind of hoping that he, he gives up a lot on that a little bit, but um, you know, we have Dawson Knox who we all want him to become the weapon that he should be. He's maybe the, one of the most athletic tight ends in the league, but he just can't seem to put it together. He's sort of, he's a big disappointment. Uh, but <laughs> You know, I like I said earlier when we started the podcast, like I, I think the Dolphins have a great team. I, I think if the Dolphins' biggest problem, in my opinion, is the quarterback position. They have a great defense. I'm not going to say that's going to be a cakewalk for the Bills at all. I, I think it's going to be another tough game. I think the Bills will probably win, but I, I'm not calling for, well, just because we blew you out in week 17, it's going to do that again. That's just not the way it works. It, you know, we can right. lose any given week. Um, and, and the dolphins are perfectly capable of making it hard on Josh. They have a great defense. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thank you for saying nice things about the dolphins. I, I do appreciate that. And I think you, you kind of mirror what most people see about the dolphins from the outside is that nobody believes in Tua, like literally nobody except the people that, you know, the beat writers, uh, the coaches, maybe like you're not really sure, like who is asking to trade for Watson. You know what I mean? And, uh, that's about it. And then everyone else, uh, you know, on TV, the bills fans, the Patriots fans, NFL fans just go, I don't know. Let's, I mean, no one really believes in Tua and, and, uh, for some reason they want a different quarterback, but what I can tell you this is that uh, the, the people that, you know, our diehard Dolphin fans, they they watch the preseason and they go, this guy is different than he was last year. He is different. He steps up in the pocket with confidence. He's dealing. And like you can tell that he is attempting to push down the field a lot more uh, now that he kind of, you know, has some wide receivers and some weapons that he trusts a little bit more. So I think he is going to have a huge jump in his second season. Uh, but, you know, obviously, if everyone's right and he doesn't, then <laughs> I guess that's that's how it goes. Well, 
So let me let me challenge you on that a little bit, because at the end of last year, we had heard that Dolphins players in the locker room were openly questioning whether he was the guy. You have Blind Flores, who tried to get the best of both worlds and failed miserably, but by missing the playoffs and I think hurting to his confidence. So how much does the team believe in Tua? See, I. I wish I wish I knew. I, I mean, obviously, everyone puts on puts on their like media faces when they talk to the media and they say that they believe in him. Uh, I, I don't necessarily know. Uh, but what I can say is that all of the players that, you know, were doing those little whispers. One, I think screw off is, is the first thing I'll say, because th- th- you got to you got to put this in context a little bit that, you know, Peyton Manning had one of the worst rookie years of all time. And he did not have a similar rookie. Like he didn't have a, he, he didn't have a no off season and a, you know, a terrible hip injury to come back from. But the one thing I will say is also those players that were talking crap, I'm pretty sure they're gone now because Flores dealt with Van Noy and he, he dealt with some of the other murmur players. So I, I hope, I hope they believe in him. Uh, but I, I, I don't know for sure. Okay. What do you, let's tell me how you feel about the dolphin safeties. Dolphin safeties. Uh, that is an interesting question. Do you specifically like in, in matchups or what do you mean specifically? I mean, just generally, you know, the part of your secondary, right? So are I would say that the Bills secondary, the Bills safeties are a top five tandem in the league and they're underrated pretty much nationally. You know, um, (laughs) yeah, Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer, you know, they play off each other really well. They know where each other is at at all times. Um, They just always seem to be around the ball making plays. I, 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 I think that that's going to be part of getting back to that 2019 pass defense that the bills had, which was just really difficult to pass against, um, you know, going back to the pass rush. I think that's going to be the key to getting everything better, but I was curious just how you would feel about the dolphin secondaries or the safeties. So first thing, uh, love Micah Hyde because he's an Iowa guy. So there you go. But, um, the thing I'll say about my safeties is I, I suppose the first thing you can say is that Eric Rowe is exclusively used as our tight end eraser. That's what we've always called him. We've coined him the tight end eraser because uh, last season when we played tight ends, like the really, really good ones, except for Kelsey and uh, uh, maybe Waller as well, honestly, uh, for the most part, he, he shut down every tight end we played and Obviously, if they were elite tight ends, they would still get their yards. They would still get their touchdowns. But Eric Rowe was the tight end eraser. And and I love that for him. And he's great at that. Obviously, he isn't he isn't the type of player that could probably guard like a slot wide receiver. He's not that versatile. He He's guarding tight ends for specific reasons. But uh, then we have Jason McCourty, who's our starting free safety right now. Um, I hope our rookie, our first round pick rookie, Javon Holland, eventually moves into that spot, which would be really great. But Jason McCourty right now, we have him in there. And I think it's, I have a sneaky suspicion. It's because, you know, he's just, he's, we need a veteran. We just need someone in there because we have the youngest roster in the entire NFL uh, on average. So I think it's one of those situations where you just need someone in the back, you know, in the, in the back of the field, just looking at everything, uh, just being that leader 
And I don't know. I don't know if Jason McCourty still has it, if he still has the wheels, if he can get burned in a situation. But he definitely is the smartest player uh, in our secondary. Okay. And you mentioned uh, just a little while ago that you didn't think the linebackers were very good. I, I don't know. Like, it, I, I would say most people, if you would you ask, like, what what's the triad? I was talking about the weak triad earlier. I would People would probably say offensive line. People would say running backs. And then they would say linebackers. I think that would be the, the general consensus on the weakest units. And I would say it's probably because it's just sort of a, a unit that is, I, I personally think it's uh, super shallow and it's also, I don't, <laughs> I don't know if we have any like, you know, uh, bruisers on the, in this linebacking core. Like that's the reason that we traded uh, Shaq Lawson for uh, Bernardrick McKinney from the Texans. And then both of those players got, uh, you know, cut or traded themselves. Bernardrick McKendry, uh, McKinney was supposed to be that like, okay, we're going to, we're going to have this normal, you know, linebacker, like middle linebacker prototype where we can hit someone coming through, you know, like a running back is not going to run, run over him unless you're Derrick Henry. Uh, But we, we cut him and now (laughs) we're kind of left with a lot of like mystery, a lot of no names uh, starting in our starting linebacking unit. So I'm not a huge fan, but also it could be a lot better depending on how these first few games go. So it, it is a mystery more than it is panic mode. It's a mystery. Yeah. Sometimes you just got to let people play and figure out what they are. Right. Um, I would say the bills, we, we technically have three starting linebackers, but really we, I mean, AJ Klein's rarely on the field. It's going to be Matt Milano and Tremaine Edmonds. Matt Milano is universally loved, almost universally loved in Bills Mafia, but it seems to me that they're both more coverage, they're coverage linebackers. Like, I don't think either one of them is a great tackler. Uh, Tremaine Edmonds, if you listen to anybody else on my network, uh, they all tease me because they, they think I'm a Tremaine Edmonds hater. I think he's just fine. You know, he's, uh, he's a guy that cleans things up. He doesn't really make plays. He's very rangy. He's, I think he's pretty good in coverage, but he never makes a big hit. He never, he doesn't make game changing plays. He makes a tackle when a guy's got six or seven yards down the field, he comes over and cleans it up. But, um, certainly he's young and we're all kind of banking on him getting better and realizing that that potential, but he's going into year four right now. Um, Matt Milano just signed his, his extension. You know, it's a pretty good linebacking pair. If I'm not including AJ Klein here, but it's a pretty good linebacking pair for the bills and they're going to be on the field. Most downs anyway. And I I would love to ask about something specifically too. Uh, I mean, you're honestly, your, your linebackers uh, sound pretty good. Uh, but the, the one thing that I kind of wonder about, and it, it doesn't seem to really phase the Bills, like last last season, I, I was kind of like, I don't know how they're doing that well if they don't have like, I, I don't love their backfield. Like I've never loved the Bills backfield and it, it doesn't seem to phase you guys. Like uh, you, you, you just keep winning. So this year when it comes to, is it Singletary in the backfield and it's like, it's Moss in the backfield, like, are you happy with your with that room? I absolutely am. And if you look back 
during the the drought years, I mean, I don't know how many league leading rushes we had. We we had Shady McCoy, we had CJ Spiller, we had Travis Henry, we had Willis McGahee. I mean, just the list is just Fred Jackson, just Marshawn Lynch. It's, it's just a crazy list of just all these great running backs that have come through Buffalo. And what does it mean? It's meant nothing. We were trying to play the wrong game. We we wanted to play like it was 1995 again. And now we have pretty good. I mean, they're okay running backs back there. And we're trying to pass the ball all the time, which is what I've wanted to do for a long time. But specific to Devin Singletary, I think he's very underrated. He's, I keep saying he's a poor man's Barry Sanders because you can't tackle that guy in a phone booth. He angles his body really well. He, 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 he never get a good lick on him. Now he doesn't have the, top end speed. And that's one of his major knocks on him, but he's a fine running back. And I'm, I'm very happy with him. Zach Moss. I think most bills fans are still kind of waiting to see what we got last year was a very bad year for the bills run game, the offensive line in the middle, you know, the, the two guards in the center were just not that great last year. And, and now with Reggie Gilliam back at fullback, we're hoping that's the key to getting the run game back to what it was in 2019. I can't believe you you compared Devin Singletary to Barry Sanders. What it's is a, that all about? It's a low rent Barry Sanders, of course. You know, they're not <laughs> I don't want to say apples to apples, but he is very shifty. And he, I mean, just I, he rarely gets tackled by the first guy. You, you don't ever get a good hit on him. He always falls forward. He, he's just got some of that same shiftiness and that same skill. Right. Well, I mean, on our coin, like I said, part of the part of the weak triad that I'm trying to uh, coin here is that, you know, we got Miles Gaskin, Salvin Ahmed, Malcolm Brown. Those are the, that's our running back room. And a lot of people aren't scared by that. I mean, what's what is Bill's the, the Bill's mafia saying about that? Those three or, you know, maybe just Miles Gaskin. Yeah, I'd say it's mostly Miles Gaskin that I'm aware of what we talk about, but I, I think there's a healthy respect there. I don't think anybody's putting him up there in the top running backs in the league, but we know that the Dolphins like him. And I think there's, you know, there's a there's a healthy respect. I don't think anybody calls him trash. Malcolm Brown was once a pretty highly regarded running back over with the the Rams, yeah. I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, he's kind of falling out of grace, and I'm not ready to write him off yet either. If he can get some carries and you know, he can be maybe your big bruiser back. So I don't know. Bills seem to have trouble with a running game, even going back to when we were a good defense, like three, four, five years ago, even. So um, I don't know if, if a team can get up with the lead and, and get the running game going, that could be a recipe to beat the bills. I think. I, I love to hear that, that thing you said about, you know, you're just throwing the ball a ton. Now you're just throwing the ball all the time and it just kind of works for you. And I, and I, and I love that because it, you're, you're right. It is, we are coming into that new era where like Mahomes will sit back there and throw the ball 55 times and it will work like 95% of the time. So, I mean, with, with a guy like Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, you can do that type of thing. But for us over uh, in Miami, the, the miles Gaskin needs to show up to, because we, we did bypass, uh, two or three times in the first round, not getting a running back. And then we lost out on all of them. Uh, I, I truly believe that Miles Gaskin is a, is a very good player and could be like a top 15 back in this league, but he needs to be, or this is going to be a terrible season. And it's really a, it's a really tough situation as our offensive line is not going to make him look pretty. 
Yeah, that was pretty much the Bills last year. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, third and two, and then you you give the ball up the middle, and then the guy has to make a a move just to get back to the line of scrimmage. You know, Ugh. it's I was screaming at the TV every Sunday, and then we started doing the draws to Josh Allen, and, <laughs> and you know, and he's taking extra hits. But I'm hoping this year we're, we have that improved a little bit. But I don't know. I, I almost feel like the Bills are a little bit better when it's third and seven than when they are it's third and two and they want to try to run it. There's not a lot of danger there. Third and seven, I feel like there's a little bit of doubt in some cornerbacks' minds because it, they're putting pressure on the defense too, just as mm-hmm. much as you might think there is on the offense. Hmm. You So do you want to come to this, the prediction of the game, the big prediction? Let's go for it. Okay, so do you want to go first? I'll go first. Okay. Um. I, I think that Josh is going to have a good game. I think he'll probably get right up around 300 yards. Um, I'll give him a couple touchdowns. I think the Bills will win 28 to 21. I'll say something like that, maybe 24. Uh, I think it'll be a closer game than what a lot of Bills fans might like to hear because we're going to hang on to week 17 of last year. But I don't think that's realistic just because Josh has owned the Dolphins for basically his entire career. It's not always going to be that way. He's going to have some bumps. I, I still think it's a win, but I think it's a closer game than what Bills fans might like to hear. I haven't seen this, you know, uh, full full squad yet without Will Fuller. So I, I, I you know, I'm, I'm very excited for Will Fuller to be back for this game. That's that's so so exciting. Um, but I, I really don't think that I will ever predict that the Dolphins will beat the Bills until the Dolphins prove that they can beat the Bills. I, I've watched this same movie for the last three years now. They can't beat them. They get bullied by them. And it's just sad to think that the, the Dolphins could win this game until they prove it to me. And and that's that's more of a challenge more than anything. I, I you know, in my heart of hearts, I believe that they could win this game, of course, you know, at every given Sunday. But... When it comes to reality here, okay, this quarterback can scramble, and our defense is not built for that. I'm just going to reiterate that, okay? Uh, Josh Allen is our kryptonite, and uh, when it comes to, you know, the the rest of this team, we just, you know, we got to see, but I'm never going to predict, uh, you know, Dolphins over Bills until I see it. So I'm going to go with a uh, pretty close score, of 27-24 Bills, uh, and it'll be one of those situations, maybe a a two-minute offense for Tua, and it just, it, we just can't, we can't put it together. That's what I think it's going to be. You know how weird it is to have somebody else talk to me about the Bills that way? Because <laughs> I've been talking, about, I've been talking <laughs> to like the Patriots and everybody else, like I just can't pick the Bills to win, but it feels good to hear it. So thank you for saying that. Well, well, I'm going to be honest, like I'm, they need to earn, uh, you know, even for our, for your fans, you know what I mean? It's like, people are like, oh, you have to be a diehard fan. You always have to think your team's going to win and, you know, be optimistic. No, you know what? I spend a lot of money being a Dolphins fan and you guys need to go on the field and prove that you can beat the Bills. And you just haven't recently. I like it. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm excited. Keep, and keep I think going. Say some possible. more. I, want. <laughs> I, I think it's possible, obviously. But. Yeah, yeah, it's possible. Uh, you know, like the Dolphins have a good defense, and you know, maybe the all the matchups don't quite favor the Dolphins, but 
it just can't go on like that forever. That's just not real NFL life. You know, at some right. point it's, it gets a little tougher. You know, I think, you know, you and I are talking before even the Pittsburgh game week one, and there's a lot of Bills fans that might be overly optimistic about the Pittsburgh game. Well, Pittsburgh Steelers kept Josh bottled up for an entire half last year. And that ended up being one of his worst games of 2020, which was coincidentally one of the best games that any drought order drought era quarterback would have had, but it's by his standards, that was one of his worst games. So, mm-hmm. you know, just because we have the great quarterback that we've all been waiting for here in Buffalo, doesn't mean that we should be predicting every week to get steamrolled over or steamroll over <laughs> the opponents. Yeah. And I will, I want to update a little bit just because if any Dolphins fans hear me, they're probably going to be just like, Oh, you traitor. You know, I will say this when it comes to, you know, if, you know, I don't know if this offensive line doesn't just totally fail us uh, against the bills, just absolutely fall apart. Uh, we have a chance, you know, if, like I said, we have all of our corners healthy and they're, and they're doing doing their thing. If X can just shadow Diggs, that would be fantastic. I don't, I don't want anyone else to be across from Diggs. And then my final, if, if the, you know, the Dolphins wide receivers, which we have like seven or eight of them that are talented. We have so many in this room that could, that could easily score a touchdown each and every week. Uh, if, if they're out there, you know, running routes and that offensive line is giving to a time, it is definitely possible. Yeah, I, I really like the Dolphins wide receivers. I've always been a, a Will Fuller fan, uh, interested to see what uh, Waddle becomes, if if that really comes back into in fruition, what the Dolphins think it's going to be. But, I mean, Devontae Varker is a really solid wide receiver number two as well. So, you know, the Dolphins do have good wide receivers. But I will also say, if, I mean, is this a no excuses year for Tua then, if he doesn't perform like everybody wants him to? Oh my goodness. This is, this is, uh, this is the thing we're getting from, from everybody. And I, and I would say it can't be, I think it can't be a no excuse. You know, we gave Tannehill eight years or whatever it was. If we could give Ryan Tannehill eight years and then say like literally every other, every new year that we had him on the roster, we're like, okay, this is the new, the no excuse year. If we can give him eight years, we can give our, our guy who didn't have, which last season we don't even count. This is basically his rookie season, at least in our eyes. We can definitely give him this season, the next season, and the next season to prove that he can be that guy. I really, I do believe that this isn't like he's got a short leash or something like that. Okay. I mean, I think that Josh Allen is the unicorn in regards to where he was when he was drafted to where he is now. Right. That's just a ridiculous jump that I don't think anybody has. I mean, he was just, I mean, he went to a bad college. He couldn't dominate in college. Like we trade up to get him and, oh my God, what are we doing? And now he's just this magical, you know, MVP runner up. He'll probably win an MVP in a Super Bowl sometime in his career. But from where he was when he was drafted to where he is now, that's just a ridiculous jump. Yes, Tua has a much smaller jump to make, but. I, I don't know. I, I I think that having Josh Allen using him as a measuring stick could also ruin a lot of quarterbacks and set some franchises back. What was his development? Was it his third year he showed up, basically? He was starting to show it the second half of his sophomore season. Um, you know, it 
didn't, I don't think he threw maybe I'm trying to remember the numbers, but like he threw all, almost all of his interceptions in like the first four or five games, didn't throw any more picks for maybe one or two for the rest of the year, but he was not running every time. He wouldn't just drop back and go, Oh shit. And then take off with the ball. He was actually trying to play the quarterback position. So you were starting to see that in the second half of 2019. Interesting. Okay. So, I mean, fair to say though, he really showed up last year, which was his third year. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, there's Bills fans out there. They'll tell you they knew all along. Oh, come on. No, you didn't. <laughs> but uh, it, it was a surprise to most Bills fans. You know, we, we expected him to be better because you were seeing him come along, but then that, you know, three or four or five games to open up last year, he's just bam, bam, bam. And it's just like, who is this guy? Oh my God, this is wonderful. This is what it feels like to be part of the league and have a quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> so there is a, I actually have a quick story too on Josh Allen. So I went to the University of uh, Iowa and I was I worked for the Daily Iowan, which is the 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 country's biggest newspaper for you know collegiate purposes. And I covered the football team. And one of the games I got to cover was Iowa versus Wyoming. I believe he it was Josh Josh Allen was Wyoming, right? Yes. Okay. So it was that it was that game. And I remember writing all of these articles leading up to that week going. This guy is like an NFL, like he could be an NFL superstar. This is going to be so cool. Like he's going to, and like, I was kind of even saying in the paper that he was going to trounce us. The problem was, uh, he just did really, didn't have a lot of talent, obviously at the wide receiver position at Wyoming. Uh, and they end up losing pretty handily. And then I, I got to interview both the Iowa players and Wyoming players. So I got to interview Josh Allen and after a loss and, um, <laughs> obviously not super happy, but at that moment, like I watched that game, even when he was losing, I was like, this kid's going to be good. Cool. That's super cool. You could be, yeah. a Bill, you could be a Bills fan. We'll take you on the bandwagon. I, <laughs> I am not a Bills fan. No, thank you. I don't, I, I think they're probably the, out of the four, they're the, the least one I, uh, I, I like, obviously. I mean, the least one I hate. <laughs> No, the, the least what I hate. I would say the Patriots at top, Jets, Bills, and there you go. Yeah, we've all been terrorized by Bill Belichick for years, and yeah, right. he's right. He's easily, <laughs> we can find solace in that. I think. Uh, the last thing I'll say before you know you send me off is that I think one name you should remember that could be a, definitely a sleeper and a huge pivotal guy in this in this game is Albert Wilson. I would remember that name because he's he's probably not going to start when it's Will Fuller, Devontae Parker, and Waddle. Those would probably be your top three guys. But watch out for Albert Wilson. He is sneaky good. Yeah, he's had his moments already in the league. Yeah, I'm, I'm telling you right now. I mean, like, he, he's, he opted out last year uh, out of the entire season for the COVID season. And the year before that, he was lighting, lighting the NFL up. Then he hurt his hip, out for the whole season. Now he's back, and he is Tua's favorite target in camp. So I would look out for Albert Wilson, I would say. Okay, will do. That's my last thing. All right, do you have any other questions for me? Uh, any other questions for you? Uh, I guess maybe, uh, what would you say, what do you think the Bills are going to, what's what's the record? And then predict the record of the Bills and the Dolphins, and then we'll call it. Hmm. Okay, uh, so... I think the Bills are going to be a 13 and 4 team. I think they'll probably drop a game or so during the year that they're not supposed to because that's the NFL. Of course, we have 
the Chiefs and the Bucks on the schedule. It's hard to predict wins for them right now. And um, for the Dolphins, I don't know. I've kind of wavered on the Dolphins. If you would have asked me three weeks ago, I would have said they were going to be the Bills' best competition in the AFC East. And you know, given how I'm finger quotes here, how good the Patriots were last year, getting nothing out of Cam. And then now they're moving to Mac Jones, which I don't necessarily have to be on high that high on Mac Jones either, but the bar is so low for him to clear that <laughs> I, I I'm kind of thinking that the Patriots might be uh, the second best team in the AFC East, but I mean, it's, I'm not going to be surprised if the dolphins end up with something like, I don't know, nine and eight. Okay. Nine and eight. <laughs> yeah. Is... I, I mean, they'll be there for a wild card. They're not going to be, they'll be right there all year long. And I'm not surprised if they get one. So here's, here's what I will say in rebuttal to that, of course, is, is that we were 10 and six last season. A lot of people forget that we were 10 and six last season because Patrick we were... is not here. Yeah. That, I mean, uh, to be fair, I suppose, I think two a one six games. So more games than Fitz one Fitz one four. Uh, so what I will say is that, what I will say is that t- 10 and six, we are better than we were last year. Okay. So we, so we went 10 and six last year and we didn't have a, we didn't have wide receivers that were, were any good at all. And now we have, that's our, probably our strongest unit this year. Uh, so I'm pretty excited. I would say that the dolphins win at least one more game than they won last year. So I'm thinking more of like a 11 and six season, because now we have that 17th game. And really, that kind of mirrors last year. I think we we hit a wild card, and I think we're second in the AFC East. And then I think the Bills win 13. Win 13 or 14. And the Patriots? And the Patriots, you know, the, this is something I, I kind of struggle with and I debate about, is because I th- I think they were, like you said, they were not that bad last year, and they didn't get anything from Cam. But also, and then also, they got a bunch of people in free agency that were you're like, those are pretty good players. Uh, I would say, and they're back to their double dual tight end thing that was super annoying when they had Gronk and uh, and Hernandez. So I mean, it's totally possible that they also are like a third. Uh, you know, like maybe there's three AFC East playoff teams. I could see the Patriots being like one game behind at like ten wins. Okay. And then the Jets are just nobody cares. <laughs> and the, I, the, the Jets are, are not going to do that well, but I think Zach Wilson will look fine. Okay. All right. Okay. Carter, one more time. Tell everybody where they can find your stuff. Okay. So my, uh, yes, like my name is Carter Melrose and that's going to be my ad as well at Carter Melrose. And I work for dolphinstalk.com and I'm under the podcasting banner as well. Cause we drop a podcast every single Friday morning and it is called two amigos uh, just kind of like a a funny little smush together of two Tua and amigos and my co-host is of course Jorge so thank you so much for having me on the show yeah no thank you so much it's been a pleasure and I, I really enjoyed this and of course we will play you again later on in the year maybe we can hook up and, and do this again yeah, I mean, we would definitely love to have you on Two Amigos at one point. Anytime. Okay, thanks so much, Vince. All right, Carter, enjoy the rest of your night, sir. You as well. 
This is not your average podcast in the 716. We are back. We're not on Thursdays anymore. We're on Sundays. Before you head out to the game, check out me and Mike. Not your average podcast in the 716. Go Bills. Hi, listeners. Thanks for tuning in to another great episode on the Built-In Buffalo Network. My name is Andrew. And I'm Justin. And we're the hosts of the Wandering Buffalo Podcast. We like to consider ourselves average Joes by day, non-professional Buffalo Bills podcasters by night. Andrew and I live and breathe Buffalo Bills football and are here to give you our insights. So this includes year-round content covering the free agency, the draft, training camp, and much more. It's so easy to digest. It's like having a beer with the boys. Hot takes, gut feelings, and whatever other places we might end up. Tune into the Wandering Buffalo podcast for content year-round, because in football, there is no off-season. And you can find us anywhere on the internet by searching The Wandering Buffalo Podcast. Go Go Bills! Bills. Hello, I have a fun game for y'all today. It's called, Is It Real or Is It Silly? Silly. Adjective. Laughable or amusing through foolishness or a foolish appearance. Is that for real? Is it real? Silliness. Okay, is it real? Wow. Double laugh. Silliness is defined as engaging in a ludicrous folly. Bill's Mafia, it is that time of the week again where I am joined by Justin Goddard over from The Wandering Buffalo. I talk about him every week, and I tell you guys how great he is. I'm sure you're over there checking out his stuff, but Justin, say hello tonight. How you doing? I'm doing great tonight. Thank you. Uh, actually, just wrapping up this week's episode of The Wandering Buffalo with my guy, Andrew, at Two Changs. Feel like we just put down a pretty good episode, a uh, little little Pittsburgh Steelers primer. Nice. Okay. And for those who have been listening to my show before, this show is going to drop on Monday, which means it will drop after the Steelers game. So when Justin and I do our Real or Silly segment this week, you need to keep that in mind. We are making predictions for you before the game. So because of when my pod drops, it makes it difficult, but That's what we're going to do this week. So I will go ahead and get us started with question number one. Question one. Justin, the Steelers spent a first round pick on Najee Harris. I believe their offensive line right now could be somewhat questionable. Do you think, actually, let me phrase that correctly. Najee Harris is going to get a rushing TV this week. Is that real or is that silly? Uh, Vince, I'm going to go ahead and say this one is real. Real. Uh, I think, I think the, the offense moving with Ben Roethlisberger, I think it's good for like a dink and dunk. He'll get you down the field at this point. Um, but I do see them scoring some points on us and I don't see it being like deep balls to, to Juju at this point. Uh, I think, you know, our run defense might be improved from last year, but I do also think that Najee Harris is going to be a problem in this league. I don't think he's going to go ham all over the yard and run for 200 yards on us, but I do think he gets a rushing touchdown. Might go as far to say two. Wow. Okay. I don't think he's going to have a lot of yards. 
Uh, he might break off a long run or something, but I think he's going to be kept in check reasonably well. I, I'll say that he gets something like 70 yards, but I will give him a rushing touchdown. That has been the Achilles heel of the Bills for a little while now, and I don't see any reason why that's going to stop now. But overall, I think the Steelers' offense is going to be pretty – yeah, well, I, I think it's going to be pretty unexciting. Uh, yeah, they they yeah. might get a couple touchdowns on us, but Najee is going to get one. Okay, yeah, I, I agree. I I might push it to two, but I think he gets at least one. Question number two. Question two. The Bills' running backs will combine, not counting Josh Allen, just the Bills' running backs will combine to total seventy rushing yards in this game. Oh boy. I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with that's real as well. Real. I think there's been like a, I think there's been a concerted effort to really improve the run game this off season and Singletary looks good in the preseason. And I think there's not enough talk going around about Zach Moss because he had, he had several plays during the preseason that were, there were like really nice runs and, and got called back on penalties. So it kind of didn't really show up in the stat sheet. Um, but I think both of them kind of look a little rejuvenated. Zach Moss looked healthy to me. Um, I'm kind of thinking that we might be able to get off to an early lead and, and try to do some clock management with the running backs. Um, so I'm, I'm going to go real there. Okay. See, I'm going to disagree. I, I don't, I think it's going to be hard for them to get going against that good Steelers front seven, but I'm not surprised if they break that slightly because of the addition of Reggie Gilliam back at fullback opening up the holes. I think that's the key to the entire running game for this entire season is Reggie Gilliam. But I don't think they're going to, we're going to say that six weeks ago. (laughs) Oh, I wasn't saying that six weeks ago. I said, I bet you wouldn't have anticipated Reggie Gilliam being the focal point of the running game six weeks ago. Oh no. As soon as he moved the fullback, I was like, well, I should have thought of that. That seems so easy. We should have, why didn't I catch that? But I think it's a difference. And I, because it's essentially the same personnel for the most part that we had in 2019, we had Pat DeMarco. I know we didn't use a fullback a lot, but if you look at some of the rushing struggles that we had last year, and I keep saying this, but I I don't remember what the numbers are and circling the wagons had quoted them at me. And I think Bruce had quoting them at me, but Yards before contact, the Bills running backs were like way down the list. And having that fullback in there is going to pick up that first person so they can have more yards before contact. And that's where Devin Singletary is going to eat. I still think it'll be difficult against the Pittsburgh front seven. I I agree with you. I do think, you know, there's a lot to be said if you can if you can pick up that first the first tackler. There were so many runs last year where I saw Singletary eke out three, four yards, and that was making the first tackler miss in the backfield. Um, so if he can translate to that to making the second guy miss and he's already three yards down the field, I think once you get him rolling in the open field, I think there's a possibility we see a lot more of like, I don't want to say chunk plays because when I say that I'm thinking, you know, like a 20-yard run play or whatever. But I think we could see a lot more of the six, seven, eight-yard runs from Singletary if if we have that fullback taking up that that first tackler. Yeah, if we're talking about the entirety of the season, I would agree with that. Yeah, I, it is I'm a, a tough matchup. 
I am a Reggie Gilliam fan all the way, and I'm glad he's going to be fullback. He's going to be tight end. He's going to probably catch some passes. He's going to carry the ball. Uh, so there's going to take some carries away from maybe Singletary as well. But yeah, against Pittsburgh, it'll be diff- difficult. All right. On the question number three. Question three. Justin, the Bills are favored by six and a half at home against the Pittsburgh Steelers. I know that last year this was a tough game for us. Many people don't remember it this way, but they frustrated us for an entire half. It was one of Josh Allen's worst games of the year against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now he had a better second half, but do you, the bills are going to cover six and a half real or silly. Um, so unfortunately I'm going to go silly on this one. A bunch of silliness. I do think the bills pull out a win. I think six and a half is a pretty big line against the team that won 12 games last year. Um, I know Ben Roethlisberger's not the same quarterback he was a few years ago, but I think every time you you're playing Pittsburgh, it it's a, it's a grind of a game and they bring a good defense. Um, they'll, they'll grind away at you the whole game. I see this one as being more of like a four point game. I think the bills take it. I think I'm sticking with 28, 24 for this game. Okay. I say they cover. I don't, I like the, I like your thinking. I don't, I'm not meaning to disagree with you too bad, but if we have to go over under six and a half, I'm going to take over, but only by a touchdown. I say it's going to be something like 24 to 17. I think it's going to be a low scoring defensive game and it'll be tough. They'll make us work for it, but the bills will cover and get the win. Yeah. I, I really hope that they cover and I hope they cover every spread for the whole season. Um, we'll see how it goes. I just, I feel like every, I feel like Pittsburgh is one of those teams where they play so similar to us and kind of match us and it can come down to a defensive turnover ball bouncing one way or the other. I I just see it being a little bit closer than that. So I'm sticking with the four points. They did lose Steven Nelson. They did lose Bud Dupree right now. TJ Watts up in the air. Uh, Stefan Tua is on the IR. Yeah. They picked up Melvin Ingram, but they should still be good, but I don't know that they're going to be as scary or as tough as they were last year. Yeah, I would, I'll definitely adjust my prediction if TJ Watts not playing week one um, and we're getting pretty close and it, it looks like he might actually not play it, If TJ Watts not in the game week one, I I'd say that they do cover the spread, but factoring TJ Watt being involved in the game plan that that dude's a monster and, I I think he alone can keep a game close for you. I think that I had seen if he doesn't sign and get at least 48 hours of practice time prior to the game, they weren't going to activate him. Part of me thinks that's silly. If he signs, they're just going to hurry him out there and let him do his thing. Uh, I I, I just have a hard time believing they're not going to get that done before week one, but I don't know. Somebody out there knows more than I do. I don't know what you'd be waiting for to pay that man. Here's a blank check. You just tell us how much yeah. money you think we should have. <laughs> yeah. Let me know what you want for the next six, seven years, George. All right. We have a bonus question for you this week because I think this is an interesting one. Congratulations on making it all the way to the bonus round. And none of us in the content creator community, none of us in the paid media, none of us really know what the plan for Matt Breida is. 
we know that they wanted the speed element and they side the speed guy. But what does that mean? Does that mean we're going to have five running backs active every day if you count Gilliam and Taiwan Jones? Well, I guess we'll find out. Justin Goddard. Matt Breida is active this week. Real or silly? Man, I just want to mirror everything you just said about not really knowing what the game plan is with him, but that is not the purpose of this exercise, and I have to give a definitive answer. So I am going to say... I'm going to say silly. A bunch of silliness. I think that he doesn't dress week one. I do think that there's going to be the game plans where where they want him involved in it. I don't think Pittsburgh's really the, the team to... I don't think the area where you want to try to take advantage of Pittsburgh is is at the edges. I think, yeah, they lost Bud Dupree, but they bought, brought in Melvin Ingram, who's still a very good player. And then you're talking TJ Watt on the other side. I just don't think that this is the game where you're really going to you're really going to get by exploiting them at that position. Hmm. Okay. I got to give you credit. I was fully set to go real because I think they brought him in for a reason. They wanted the speed element. Why would you sign that guy? If you just plan on giving him the TJ Yeldon treatment. But I, I think, I think you've sold me. I think listening to you, you've swayed my opinion, Justin. I think that uh, the Pittsburgh game just, I don't think we're going to be running a lot, but I was thinking that maybe he could be involved in some screen pass or something. It's not really our game plan. I don't really know what we're going to do with him. So I think, I think I have to go with you. That's silly. Yeah. And Brita somebody that I was really excited when we, when we brought him in, but the more, the further along I go with it, it's kind of like you said, I, I don't really know where to factor him in and, like, yes, I like that he brings the speed element to the team, but I also think that with the speed element, you got to be careful with not looking predictable that, oh, Brita came into the game, watch the edges, they're going to do a sweep or they're going to do a screen pass. I, I feel like they need to be very careful with how they use that. And, and just looking at it from that perspective, it's kind of dampered me on Brita and how he factors in. I still do think he can carve out a role on this team. I mean, we saw TJ Yeldon look good at, at times last year. Uh, I think Breed is a better player than Yeldon. I'm just a little bit concerned with, with the predictability of when Breed steps on the field. Yeah. And, and when there, I, I, I have to believe there's going to be games this year where they, they do find a use for him or they want to use him. For instance, maybe they throw him on the field somehow against the Chiefs and they want to take advantage of some matchup. But for this week, I think you're right. I think you've changed my mind. It doesn't make a lot of sense. That's going to end up being a bonus question every week as we try to figure out what his role is with the team. Who did I hear I was talking about that recently? Oh, it was Bruce. It was Bruce and Nate Geary. Uh, I believe they have a a bet about it in a it's a restaurant in New York. I can't remember what they bet on, but they have a bet on if he's going to be active every week or more than the other guy. But if I'm guessing, I don't think Singletary is ever going to be inactive. I think Moss has the better chance of being active than is compared to Singletary, but Brita probably most of the time. Uh, I would agree with that. Yeah. I think, I think Singletary can do a little bit of everything and Moss, I'm, I still don't know what to make of Moss yet because 
I believe coming out of college, he actually ran a faster 40 time than Singletary. I'm I'm not positive that I'm correct on that, but I think I am. He he did. He was four five something. Okay. I think yeah. Singletary was four six. But for me, just watching them them on the field, Singletary looks like he has so much more in like the quickness and shiftiness department. I just feel like he brings a little bit more to the table and Moss is a little more one dimensional. But I I feel like I don't have all the information that I want on Moss yet to make my decision. But as as of right now, I would agree with you. I think there's a better chance that we see Moss inactive and Breida brought up for a game than Singletary. I think if Singletary's healthy, he's he's active every week. Yeah, I think so. I have been saying, and I don't know that people believe me, but I'm going to die in the cell. I think Devin Singletary is a poor man's Barry Sanders without the top end speed. You can't tackle that guy in a phone booth. And even when you think you have him dead to rights to put the lick on him, it just feels like you can never get the angle on him to tackle him like you think you want to. Now, you'll get tackled, sure, but you don't get to hit him very hard because he's just always got the angle on you. And that's something that Barry Sanders had. See, now I I never got to watch Barry Sanders in his heyday. I've I've watched the highlights, as any football fan should. I I made a similar comparison in that I I said kind of like poor man Shady McCoy. Um, Just a lot of their running style looks similar to me that that little quick back step, the, the shiftiness, all that. And I think Shady's probably a Hall of Fame running back. Um, probably a, a fairly similar comparison, but if it's going to be my running back, I'm, I'd am i rather him be compared to Barry Sanders. So I'm, I'm going to stick with that one that you just put out there. And I, I don't think he gets enough credit for how hard he runs too, because if you pay attention, it's he's usually falling forward and – that's probably a byproduct of not being able to get the good hit on him because of the way he can angle his body. But I think he runs tougher than you for his size. He doesn't get enough credit for that. Yeah. The only time I ever see him go backwards is when he gets surprised by somebody behind the line of scrimmage, which was all the time last year. Last <laughs> year. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's our predictions. Remember we are making these predictions before the Steelers game. So when you're listening to this, you will get to know how wrong we are or how right I am as opposed to Justin. So I think (laughs) Justin gratification. That's right. Justin, I believe is keeping track of all of these and he's going to read this, the scorecard at the end of the year. So all right. We'll end up about 500 with each other by the end of the year. Yeah. Yeah. You're probably right. I, I see it going not too far one way or the other. Maybe fifty-one forty-nine for me. I'm already regretting my Gregory Rousseau twelve sack number. <laughs> so what did I just say? Well, I'm gonna go with it. That wasn't very smart. Hey man, sometimes you gotta swing at the plate, you know. Yep, that's right. All right, Justin, we will talk to you next week. All right, we'll see you then. Enjoy uh, the rest of your night. Yeah, go Bills. Go Bills. Vince Taylor and Buffalo on the Brain proudly bring to you the Mafia Hot Seat, a built-in Buffalo production. When it's too tough for them, it's just right for us. Be ready. It might be chilly. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. 
Bill's Mafia. I'm super excited about our next guest this week. First up in the Mafia hot seat, we have the other half of The Wandering Buffalo, who by now I'm sure you're familiar with because they're one of my favorite podcasts, and I tell you to listen to them all the time. This is the other half of it, making his debut appearance in the Mafia hot seat. Andrew Chang, how are you today? I'm doing super. I'm so excited to be on this hot seat and the first to be up. And Vince, thank you so much for the kind words. You always pump us up and... If you're listening to this podcast right now, then you already know that Vince Taylor is the man. So as much as he pumps us up, you get we got to give him some credit. Vince, you, you have an amazing show, and I l- enjoy listening to your podcast every week. Okay, that's enough of that noise. Let's go ahead and get started. <laughs> uh, so, Andrew, I'm sure you know the routine by now, but you were the first one to go. So I have all 10 questions in front of me. Which one would you like to start with? Hmm. Well, I just had my fantasy football league and I got the first overall pick. So I'm hoping I'm going to ride with number one here. Okay. All right. I think there's several different really good answers for this and it's a good conversation starter. But if I were to force you with a gun to your head to bet every dime that you have on a Super Bowl winner this year, who are you taking? Oh my God. <laughs> wow. That that's a, well, I'm not betting a lot here, so I'm going to say, let's sweeten it up. Let's say every dime you have plus next year's wages. Oof, still not a lot here. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, if I had to be realistic about it, I think there's actually a really good chance that the bills could make the super bowl and win it. You know, out of the AFC, we have a pretty – well, look at the schedule that the Bills have. It's not as hard as last year's. We kept, what, 20 of the 22 stars from last year carry over to this year. We got Emmanuel Sanders, and we replaced the punter. There's a lot – there's more continuity on this team than there was last year. And I, I just think that Josh Allen can take – even if he takes like a half a step backwards, which – not which isn't necessarily a bad thing. I think this team is in real good shape to make a real strong playoff push. So I, with my fan goggles on and off, you know, I got to say the bills. Okay. I don't hate it. I, I think the bills are gotta be one of the top five teams. Like if anybody, if the bills were to win the super bowl, like I don't care if you're a Raider fan or a Patriot fan or a Chief fan. Like nobody should be saying, well, I never saw that happening because the Bills are that good. They are good enough to win a Super Bowl. Would I bet my next year's salary on it and you know, whatever money my wife and I have saved up on it? I don't know. Now, as to your point, we've only improved, right? We lost John Brown, but we replaced him with Emmanuel Sanders, and John Brown seems to have fallen off the cliff if he can't make the Raiders roster when Zay Jones does. Mm-hmm. So that's certainly an upgrade there. And adding pieces like Groot and Effie Obata, you know, Marquez Stevenson, maybe sometime this year we get to see some extra, you know, the Andre Roberts treatment. But, you know, Cleveland's out there. I know that Baker Mayfield isn't Josh Allen, 
but mm-hmm. he's still a competent quarterback. Like he's probably top 10, top 12 in the league. Maybe, you know, calling him a game manager is probably pretty harsh, but he's not an elite guy either, but he's got all that talent around him and they do have a great defense. And of course the chiefs are still there as much as we were hoping that their offensive line got worse. It's likely that it even got better. You know, even if they, it, they made some questionable moves, they may have got their offensive line even better. Patrick Mahomes, Tyree kill Travis Kels. And then of course you have Brady and all the weapons out there. So I don't know. I, I think if I had to lay money down, I think that I would probably bet on the chiefs. Right. And that's not a bad get well, bad, choice either and you know one thing that's i i feel like a lot of people out there don't really realize is that and it sounds so simple but winning in the nfl is very hard success is never given out to you and we'll take the chiefs and the bears from what 2020 and then 29 or 2019 and then 2018 i think where, you know, the Bears went all the way to, what, the NFC Championship game, and they lost. And, oh, no, 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 they lost to the double doink against the Eagles, I believe. And then the year before that, the Titans made it all the way to the AFC Championship game, and everyone, all the narratives were, you know, this team's going to be back. They're going to, they're gonna like, come back with a vengeance. But they didn't. They they didn't even come close to where they where they were performed the year before that. So I think winning in this league is very hard. And credit to the Chiefs because they made it to back to back Super Bowls, which is why the dynasty of the Patriots with Tom Brady and Bill Belichick may be regarded as the best dynasty of all time because they just kept coming back over and over and over which is something that you, you see other teams in the league wanted a piece of that pie. They kept stripping like little pieces away from the Patriots front office and coaching staff, and it never worked out. I know. <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right. And look at some of the good teams that those Patriots teams had to go through in the AFC in all those years. You had Peyton Manning and the Colts. You had, I don't think people give, and remember how good the San Diego Patriots, San Diego Patriots, San Diego Chargers were during that stretch with Ladanian Tomlinson and, and Philip Rivers. They were a good football team for a long time. They, they never got where they needed to go, but it's because the Patriots were there. And uh, there was some good battles with the Pittsburgh Steelers and, and Big Ben in his prime. Um, that Ravens defense of the mid two thousands, you know, despite what people might say about Joe Flacco, he might not have been elite, but he was pretty good. And there was just to, to get back there as much as they did and the teams they had to go through, that's that's very hard to replicate. Yeah, and a little side note here. When you brought up Joe Flacco and the Ravens and how they – I'm just thinking about the AFC Championship game where they played the Patriots. I forgot what year. I think it was 2011 or 2012. I think it was 2011 because I was in college and I – Joe Flacco threw the perfect pass on uh, outbreaking route in the end zone. And then Lee Evans caught the ball, but relaxed on it and it got knocked out of his hand. And then we all know what happened there. The Patriots ended up moving to the Super Bowl and I'm pretty sure they ended up winning it. Yeah. I, I, I remember that play specifically. I was a Lee Evans guy from the day <sighs> he was drafted. I have a Lee Evans mm-hmm. Jersey 
and I had a buddy that was a Ravens fan and he just let me have it. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that was brutal. And actually I'm pretty sure the Patriots actually lost. That was the year they were like almost perfect. And then they lost to the giants. <laughs> pretty sure I got that right. No. Yeah. Yeah. No, they, no, they, yeah. Uh, I've been thinking 2007. My years are all messed up. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. 2011 was one of the years they lost to the giants because I think the Super Bowl was here in Indy. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I forgot you're out in Indy. That's gotta be such a cool environment. Yeah. Indianapolis is low key. Awesome. Like it's big enough where it has all the cool things you want. We have the Indy 500. We have a soccer team, which I don't care if you're into that, but we have, you know, NFL football. We have the Pacers. We have a lot of nightlife. We have all kinds of restaurants, but it's mm. not so big where you run into like big city problems. So, and I think nationally, uh, Indianapolis cost of living is significantly lower and home ownership significantly lower than a lot of other cities. So Indy's low key. Awesome. I pump it up to everybody I talk to. Yeah. And that's, you know, it's crazy to me. I know green Bay and Buffalo are on this list, but isn't Indy like on like the tail end of like the most, the least valuable NFL teams out of all the 32 teams? Or am I making that up? I don't know the answer to that, but it doesn't sound right. I feel like the Colts are pretty valuable, especially, you know, the new stadium that we got, you know, 10 years ago. And um, I don't know. I, I You could be right. I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. Well, regardless, let's let's get back to the topic. And my 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 bad. I, I got a little off topic there. Who do you think is coming out of the NFC to make it to the to the Super Bowl game? Well, it'd be really lazy of me just to say the Bucks again, mm-hmm. but I can't find a reason why I should be betting against them. I mean, I want to bet against Tom Brady every year. Always oh, getting old. This is the year he falls off. He never does. Like this mm-hmm. guy's going to play till he's going to torture us till he's like retiring from the NFL at like 65. But okay, that's extreme. But you know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, Green Bay should have had him last year, you know, for as much as Aaron Rodgers is being a diva. You know, I think if they decide to not kick that field goal, they, and, and by the way, it looked to me like Aaron Rodgers could have scored up with his own legs on a couple plays to take the lead there. So, yeah, Green Bay's certainly someone to keep your eyes on. You know, I I like the Saints a little bit better without Taysom Hill and with Jameis Winston. Um, who am I forgetting? I feel like I'm forgetting a team that's pretty, pretty the obvious NXT. right now. Yeah, hmm. I think you mentioned them all. Huh? The Seahawks. Um, yeah, I'm a big Russell Wilson guy, but I think there's too many other holes on that team right now. Yeah, they're. Yeah, it's. <laughs> oh, the Seahawks. Yeah, I, I, I'm drawing a blank here, but if I'm picking the Bills out of the AFC, realistically, it could be the Bills, Chiefs, or the Browns, as you mentioned. But out of the NFC, I could easily see it being Green Bay. And to your point, they had every opportunity in that NFC championship game with, to to win that game with the ta- uh, takeaways that they got, but they did nothing with them. Yeah, they were up. Uh, I don't know why Brady kept throwing the ball and not dink and dunk. Like there was a couple times Brady's not known for throwing the ball like that anymore. They have the lead. They're trying to run the clock down and he's throwing the ball deep and throwing a pick. And I, what's going on there? But they win the Super Bowl. <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah, well, regardless, I stick by my answer. Bills win the Super Bowl. I'm writing it down in Sharpie. 
bills by a billion. I like it. I like it. And to your lips, to God's ears, let's make it so. For sure. For sure. And if it doesn't, well, looks like I'm moving to Indy because I heard their their standard of living is cost of living is very, very low. So I'm, I'm about it. <laughs> yeah. But on the other hand, you're moving away from the bills. I'm trying to get my wife to agree to go to Buffalo and she's not biting. <laughs> Has she never been there before? She is making her first appearance at some game to be determined this year will be her first uh, visit to um, I'm going to call it the Ralph, even though it's high mark. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's gotta be the Ralph. I mean, the man is set in stone literally outside of it. He it's the Ralph, but what 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 is the number one thing outside of the game that you're going to show her in Buffalo? That's the only thing I know to do is go to Bills games. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd like to tell you where I'm a big chicken wing connoisseur. I'm not. I like chicken wings. I, I'd like to tell you I don't even know the city that well. I can get basically from the airport to Orchard Park, and that's it. So. If you, Andrew, have any suggestions, now's the time to to throw them at me. All right, Bills Mafia, don't roast, roast me too much here. I got a couple things on my mind. And uh, obviously, if you got anything that I, I'm not going to mention, reach out to Vince or reach out to me and I'll tell Vince. But we got to we got to give his wife the full 716 experience. So I'm thinking for wings, Gabriel Gates. I heard barbells pretty good, too, but I've never been. Uh, of course, if you're out that way, you got to see one of the wonders of the world. You got to go to the falls. And in terms of my favorite area of Buffalo when I lived there, it's got to be Elmwood Village and Delaware Park. There's just something about those two areas that just feels really nice. It's got a positive energy around it, and you just can't go wrong being in either of those areas. Okay. All right. Well, I will pass that along to Mrs. Taylor when we make our trip to Buffalo this year. Um, We will reach out for if we have any other questions. We're going to go directly to the source, Andrew Chu Tangs. (laughs) Thanks. Andrew, thank you so much for taking some time for me tonight. The first time you have been on the Mafia Hot Seat. I hope it's not the last, but one more time, why don't you plug your socials? For sure. Well, again, thank you for having me on the show. I I know we got a little off topic there, but it was a fun, organic conversation that I feel like you can't have with most people. So I really enjoyed this experience. Very positive. You can find me on social media by searching Two Changs, and you can find me on the Wandering Buffalo podcast, again, a part of the Built in Buffalo network by searching the Wandering Buffalo podcast on most social media and podcasting platforms. Vince? Thank you so much for having me again. Anytime, my man, you are welcome. Anytime you'd like, I, I enjoyed it. And I, uh, your podcast is one of my favorites, not just because it's part of our network, but generally speaking, I, I enjoy you guys. I enjoy your vibe and you guys are just easy to listen to. Well, I really appreciate that. And likewise for your podcast, great, great content over here. All right. Enjoy the rest of your night, sir. All right. Go bills. Go bills. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the hot seat. It's been, I think, probably a couple months since Zach Vaughn, editor-in-chief over at the Buffalo Fanatics, joins us. Zach, what's going on? 
Uh, just a lot of uh, editing, typo wrangling, uh, <laughs> bills twittering, and so have you. <laughs> and you and I were just joking that the typo melon, if you're going to do it right, that's a full-time job. Like You've got me many times, and I'm, there's many, many more that you've missed. So you need an assistant just for the typo melons. <laughs> yeah, and you just got to set it up, maybe make it its own company and a startup, get a GoFundMe going. Maybe then I can quit my full-time job and just focus on that. <laughs> Twitter grammar. <laughs> Twitter grammar. That's There's big money in that, I hear. <laughs> All right. So it's been a while, but I'm sure you remember how to do this. I have 10 questions in front of me. You can have any number you like except number one. Okay. Uh, I think I'm going to go with this number because of my man, Tyler Bass, number two. It's so strange that I went one and two in order this week. I don't know that that's ever happened. <laughs> Everybody always takes seven every week, and this week it's not going to happen. <laughs> All right. I like this question because I think there's several different answers that are feasible. But prediction time. Who is going to lead the Buffalo Bills in sacks this year? Oh, well then. <laughs> hmm. Uh, I would say that the choice I think a lot of Bills fans would want to see is Greg Rousseau, just because that would mean he's had an amazing rookie year and that he made, he validated the entire first round strategy of being like the first half of the double edge sword that they took just if Gregory Rousseau did in fact lead the bills and sacks, that would be amazing considering everyone thought he was a developmental guy that he wouldn't be able to step in year one and make an impact. Whether or not I see that happening is another thing. I would say more realistically, it may end up hell. It may end up being Addison again. And I, it, could very well be Addison with like six, six and a half sacks. And that's only because they do the defensive ed rotation. And then maybe Rousseau gets like five, five and a half. Maybe Jerry Hughes gets four or five, something like that. Where if you could get a cluster of your edge rushers in that five to six sack range, if you could even get Oliver in that five to six sack range, I would say it's a successful season. Yeah. I, I think it's very likely that it could end up being group. I, was out of my mind a few weeks, a few years ago, weeks ago. And I was, I think I was drinking too much of the Kool-Aid. <laughs> I, I was saying he was going to have a double digit season. He's going to get 12. So that's not true. That's not going to happen. I was probably drinking and I don't drink, but um, yeah, it could be AJ, right? I, I think, I mean, technically you, you want to say Addison's a starter. Jerry Hughes is the best pass rusher right now on this team, even if it, could end up being grouped by year's end. It, it, there's some doubt when we picked him, right? I think a lot of Bills fans wanted a different position. I did, and I'm mm -hmm. sort of warming up, and I'm getting there to, to being on board with the group pick. But A.J. Epineza is going to have his weight where it needs to be. He had a preseason. He had preseason games. He had a real training camp. And I don't know. I don't. I think he's a sneaky pick. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I, I guess I have a hard time seeing it being a linebacker if the if the picks 
that we and the investment we made on the defensive line with Gru bash him if he ends up playing Obata. And if they're getting pressure, I'm guessing that the linebackers won't be blitzing as much. Yeah, probably. I mean, maybe you see Edmonds do it a little bit just to change things up because he's big and physical and can do that. Maybe, maybe you do see AJ Klein do a couple of those types of blitzes again, just to change things up just so opposing offensive lines can't keep everything straight. But yeah, with the significant investment in the defensive line, especially considering they kept 11 defensive linemen, I would say that they're trying to get away from the linebacker blitzes if they can. Yeah, we kept 11 defensive linemen, and I'm still a little bit worried about the tackle depth. You know, I'm not in love with Vernon Butler. It's yeah. a no excuses year for Ed Oliver. You know, I'm not expecting Ed Oliver to come out and get double digit sacks like Marcel Darius did years ago, but hmm. and he was starting. He was feeling like I would see him in the backfield more often, maybe towards later last year, but stars back. That's been the excuse for him this whole time, right? At least hmm. last year, there's no more excuses for Ed Oliver. Like he's not a bad player, but he's not a top 10 pick either. Am I wrong? That's completely fair. I think part of the issue, obviously, with Oliver is, like you said, he was a top 10 pick, so there's high expectations as it is, but then also being compared to Aaron Donald coming out of college, that just takes those expectations to a whole other stratosphere. And of course, given, again, the defensive scheme where McDermott likes to do a bit of a rotation, at Oliver not having the gaudy numbers that everyone expects it just makes it that much more disappointing but again this is year three it's his do or die year his prove it year and again if i could if he could get five to six sacks maybe in that range i would say and he has a bunch of tfls and just provides consistent pressure like he was doing down the stretch last year i would say that he would would it be worth an extension but until he does that, and again, whether or not he does that with Star on the field or with Zimmer on the field or Phillips, we'll see. But yeah, it's not at all unreasonable to say that Oliver's been a disappointment relative to his draft position. Yeah, if we had picked him at 30 or 28 at the end of the first round, I think myself included, but many of us would have a different opinion of him, but because of his draft status, I'm, I'm slightly down on him. Like I'm not writing him off and calling him a bus, but I'm a, I'm a little disappointed. Okay. All right. Well, Zach, you got anything else for me? Well, I would also say just circling back to the whole D line discussion, FA Obata could very well be a problem this year for opposing offensive lines. He could, hell, he could be that another dark horse candidate to lead the team in sacks, depending on how often he gets on the field. But also, uh, you got to keep an eye on Justin Zimmer. He hangs around for a reason. He got Brandon Bean's endorsement. I think he's going to make quite a few plays, whether or not anyone cares to admit it. It cares to admit it. He's a big part of this team. No, I'm I'm all in on on Zimmer. Uh, I. I'm not ever sure he's ever going to end up being, you know, a tier one tackle, but he's a fine player. He's a great depth mm -hmm. piece and he does make plays for us. He seems to be faster 
for a mm-hmm. defensive tackle. It looks like he he's got a little closing speed that maybe we don't get out of some other players at that position. But um, going back to Obata, yes, I like Obata has been the talk of training camp, and we had seen it in the preseason games. I like him better, and I think we saw him a little bit on the on the inside, and I don't mind seeing that in some specific passing situations, but. Do we want him playing tackle on a third and two or a running down first and 10? I'm not sure we want that. No, definitely not. That would be more of a, like you said, a specific pass rushing situation. More likely than not, they would probably just play him at on the edge on an early down situation. And I would assume you do the same thing with Boogie Basham if he ever plays. But I think it's sort of like the same way they're envisioning Quentin Jefferson last year before Starr got star opted out and they had those that depth issue because Quentin Jefferson wasn't a one tech either but they were playing him and Oliver in that position and we all saw what happened with that yeah which I mean it's hard for me to criticize Ben and Breen right I'm a podcaster here uh what do I know I don't know but I can tell you that he did make an investment backing up that one tech spot he didn't. He brought in some lower tier kind of free agent guys, you know, Trayvon Hester types. But he could have spent a draft pick there, maybe even instead of Tommy Doyle. But he elected not to. And we could say the same thing about cornerback too. And he gets results with things that maybe don't always make sense to the rest of us, I guess. But it just felt like there were specific areas that he could have helped, and, and for some reason chose not to. Yeah, and circling back to that whole one-tech thing, I know that I was very pro to Daryl Slayton in the fifth round and was very disappointed when they chose another offensive tackle. And just, like, you think, like, there are these positions where you think, where fans perceive a need that doesn't always align with management. Because obviously they see something we don't, and they're the ones who make the decisions and we're the ones sitting on our couch questioning the decisions. <laughs> Otherwise we'd be the ones making the decisions and they'd be the ones out of the job on the couch. Yeah. I think it's very likely that Tommy Doyle doesn't dress a bunch this year, unless there's an injury. He's just uh, making the roster, but what's he really going to contribute to the team this year? Where if you would have drafted a backup one tech or maybe even a, he did spend a fifth round pick on wild goose, I guess, but wild goose isn't on the team right now. Um, I don't know some of the thoughts I have, but you know, I'm Brandon Bean is way smarter than I am. He knows things that I don't. So trust the process, I guess. Yep. Definitely trust the process and you just keep trusting it all the way until the shoe drops. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. And, but if you win the Super Bowl, nobody cares. Nobody mm-hmm. will care. We still are got to be one of the top five or six teams. And I, I don't know what Vegas says, but I'm I'm betting that they like the Bills quite a, a lot to be in the Super Bowl. Do oh, you know the I, odds? I'm sure. You don't I'm know sure the odds? That, yeah. I don't know it offhand. Uh, that would be a question for our gambling expert, Casey Reed. But Casey would know, wouldn't he? <laughs> <laughs> he would. Okay. All right, Zach, thank you so much for taking a few minutes for me tonight. I can't remember if this is your third or your fourth time. Um, I mean, it's 
I think it's probably the third time. Either way, there will definitely be a fourth or fifth time. So, <laughs> yeah, anytime, my man. I always look forward to it. And I, a lot of the guys over there on your network have been really good to me. I'm a big fan. Jeremy's my favorite dude. And uh, I just, I'm, I'm jealous that I don't have his wit. But, uh, you know, the air raid guys are wonderful at what they do. Nap and Casey are always entertaining. The guys over there have been really good to me and I appreciate it. And you too, by the way. So uh, thank you so much for, you know, all of your support and all the good things you do for me as well. And I'm going to try to sneak some typo melons in there for you to look for <laughs> just to keep you busy. Cause you're an editor <laughs> and keep you sharp. All right, Zach, tell us where we can find you. Well, you can find me on Twitter at zvon2712. I'm the guy that looks like Sean McDermott because obviously I look like Sean McDermott, right? It's uncanny. And <laughs> then you can find all the great content we have on Buffalo Fanatics, on the Buffalo Fanatics Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, and also on thebuffalofanatics.com. That's where you find all the killer blog articles. We had, I believe, two or three come out today including this new series that one of our writers is doing where he creates a playlist, a music playlist heading into each week's games. And I actually listened to that playlist and it slaps. It is a lit. It is on fleek. It is all those things that dates me and makes me feel old, but <laughs> I don't know what any of that those, means. <laughs> I know. I, I'm trying to think of all the phrases that someone could say, that could possibly date them like bees, knees, cats, pajamas, stuff like that. <laughs> I don't know. It's just, well, I mean, it's really good. are you going to give us a teaser or do we have to go find it? Uh, the, the article is on the Buffalo It's also posted on Twitter. I know that the author is Riggs Willis at semi average Riggs. He posted the links on Apple music and Spotify as well on his Twitter and in the articles as well. So I will say this. The one teaser I'll give about it, unfortunately, Renegade is not on the list. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, I feel like maybe you're just trying to reel me in and we're going to have to go figure out what is that. You don't. All right. Zach Vaughn, everybody. Zach is a friend of, well, me personally. I, I appreciate his work and I appreciate all of the support he's given me since I started to become a podcaster and the Built in Buffalo brand, too. So, Go find Zach, follow him. He's very funny. He's got a gift for everybody. I said gift, didn't I? Okay. Anyway. <laughs> typo <the> melon. <laughs> a verbal typo melon. Because <laughs> uh, you could get me on that too. I, if you have listened to my podcast for any length of time, I have like, I suffer from word displacement sometimes and I don't even know that I do until I go back and listen to it. And I just use this complete wrong word because, uh, I don't know. I, I'm just an idiot, I guess. But um Thank you so much, Zach. Enjoy the rest of your night. Thanks, you too. Enjoy the game. Bills Mafia, that is it. That is all I have for you this week. And if you have listened this long, I'm not sure that's good for your mental health. This is over two hours long. <laughs> Thank you so much for choosing to listen to me this Monday. I appreciate each and every one of you. As I do every week, I'd like for you to go out and say something nice to another content creator in the Bills Mafia community. It's good to hear. Go out and leave thoughtful reviews, or it doesn't even necessarily have to be a built-in Buffalo brother. 
which I would appreciate it if it was, but go tell Bruce he does a great job. Go tell Joe Marino he does a great job. Go tell Justice you appreciate everything he does. So let's spread a little positivity today after this setback, this temporary setback that we had today. And until next week, squeeze somebody close to you, wear a mask, and go Bills. If you were not absolutely satisfied with this podcast episode, please contact your state senator or the postmaster general. Please be sure to mention, Vince Taylor said that you are a big fucking cry ass. Here we are, I'm out of my third Pro Bowl. We're talking about our idiot podcaster who got liquored up and ran his mouth off. So what has the sports world come to? We're talking about idiot podcast. Boy, I'm sure glad that's over with. Me too. Yeah, but you know, I learned something today. Just when you think this show is terrible, something wonderful happens. What? It ends. It's over. Go home. Go.